Okay, we are ready to begin. Yopi. This week's Pasha is Pasha's Re'eh. And we are going to talk about the issue that has become a matter of um, huge controversy in the Jewish world. And that is fish that uh, have in them worms, even though they're kosher fish. Uh, if worms are found in the fish, specifically the species called Anasakis, um, is that fish kosher or not? Now, we're going to, we're not going to discuss the whole topic at length because all the issues involved and all the back and forth between all the different uh, rabbinic authorities are beyond the scope of, the, in terms of the time scope of this discussion. But we are going to focus on the main issue from which the whole conversation stems. But before we do that, first we're going to talk about, in general, when we talk about kashus, sometimes we talk about the Musr aspect of keeping the laws of kashus in general, the ethical background of why it's important, and that's how we're going to relate it to this week's Pasha. So first we're going to, before we discuss the issue, uh, and perhaps maybe come to some kind of conclusion, we're going to uh, uh, catapult ourselves from the Pasha. And the Pasha states as follows. In at the beginning of chapter 14, Pasha A, the Torah declares, uh, You are the children of Hashem, your God. And it follows to say, The Torah does not want us to conduct in an un, um, uh, proper manner, in, in improper manner, in unbecoming manner when it comes to mourning. And then the next Pasha, Pasha Bey says, Ki am... Kodesh atel Hashem Elokecha. You are a holy nation to Hashem your God, who b'cha b'char Hashem. And in you Hashem has chosen Leos lo la'amsegula to be a chosen nation. And with this we know Mikolami from all the nations Shapnei Adama. And then the Torah goes and says in the next pasuk lo sochal kol to'eva. Do not eat anything that is an abomination. So we focused in the past and we spoke about Kashus and the Ramban that talks about the fact that the Torah here says that a, a pure soul, a pure soul, uh, of course, would not want to intake things that are considered by the Torah to be an abomination. And therefore, the Torah here is specifying that because of the special stature and nature of the Jewish people, it's unbecoming for us to consume those items which the Torah considers to be abomination. And then it gives a list of those things. That's what the it says at the beginning of the of the parsha that deals with kashrus. Uh, in this week's parsha, Torah talks about the specifics also in parsha shmini, as we know, talks about the specific animals and the uh, kosher signs for those animals. At the end of the list of the things that are kosher and that are not kosher, the Torah then declares like this: Lo sochlu kol nevela. You shall not eat any nevela, any animal that is uh, that is not properly uh, slaughtered. You should give it to a stranger that's in your gates. and he can eat it. Or you sell it to a non-Jew. Says the Torah. Why not? Why can't we eat this stuff? Ki am because you are a holy nation. Hashem because you are a holy nation to Hashem, your God, do not cook, do not cook the kid in its mother's milk. 
Okay, so here the Torah again repeats itself and says that the reason why we cannot consume that which the Torah prohibits is because ki am kodesh ata, because you are a holy nation. The Torah wants to impress upon us that we are, as the Torah says in Parshas Yisro, we are a nation of uh, priests and a holy nation. And here the Ramban explains why the Torah emphasizes ki am kodesh ata, that you are a holy nation, and then follows up with lo sevashal gidi imoy that we cannot eat balsa we cannot eat meat and milk. In addition to, in addition to the list of the kosher and non-kosher animals and other uh, living creatures, then the Torah in one pasuk juxtaposes the idea that we are a special people together with the cooking of meat and milk. So the Ramban here wants to know, the Ramban here wants to know what's the point of the juxtaposition. So the Ramban says like this. He says, There's a juxtaposition here in the verse between meat and milk and the fact that we are a holy nation. This particular food Mixing meat and milk is not something which is an abomination like the previous previous foods. To eat, for example, to eat chaza is to eat pig, right? Is an abomination. But the but but to eat meat and milk says the Ramban, that's not. This, in, in today's and Chulin, right? Yes, in Chulin, and it's that. It's talking about that certain animals because they're difficult to tell if they chew the. To the cut or not, right? Or certain animals that, that the Torah set out right. Boom! You don't eat these. Right, the but, are a prime example of that. Right, because the Chazer is the only animal who has split cubes but does not chew his cut, as we all know. Yeah. The reason why the Torah prohibits it is, he says, because we are holy with foods, and this is not a type of food that is befitting a holy nation. Oh, says the Ramban, the Torah does not want us to be a mean nation. The reason why meat and milk is prohibited is because it is emblematic of being mean, of being cruel. Why? Because we don't have mercy of the fact that we milked the cow, we milked the goat, right, and then we cooked its calf in the milk that we that we milked from the animal. That's not the. Uh, it's not proper. It's 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 emblematic of cruelty. It says in Ramban, even though it's possible that any meat and milk is considered uh, in this prohibition, and therefore. The milk does not have to come from the Mother. animal which the kid was uh, uh, was nursing from, right? It doesn't matter because every the the milk itself is emblematic of the mother, and uh, and the and the calf is emblematic of the child, and to consume the two together is 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 show, shows a measure of cruelty. It, it's a sign of cruelty. It's not something that we. Uh, that we uh, that, that that we do, and therefore the Torah is saying, 
You're a holy nation, therefore you cannot consume meat and milk. So, in addition, there's two things. Number one is, it's unbecoming. Number two is, it's emblematic of cruelty in certain instances like meat and milk. So that's the reasons why the Ramban gives for eating, for eating, uh, for, for the fact that the Torah prohibits certain things for our consumption. And it's, it's understood, you know, if you have a person who is a, uh, a, 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 a man or a woman of royalty, Right, it's, it would be unbecoming for them to, for example, wear a, uh, a T-shirt with a skull and bones on it, uh, or, or perhaps maybe something uh, that, that's not proper for a person who's representative of a higher stature individual to, uh, to, 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 to wear that type of clothing or to invo- involve themselves in certain behaviors. And so, given that idea, given that idea, we don't. Uh, we, we don't participate. A similar thing of this is, for example, is that the Sefer HaChinuch, the Book of Education, says that it's prohibited to uh, break the bones of the Kabbalah Pesach. One is not allowed to break the bones of the, of the Paschal Lamb, of the, of the sacrifice that we bring on Pesach. Why? Because on Pesach we're supposed to be free. We're supposed to act like we're free. And people who are free don't break bones. They don't, they don't need to break the bones. You know, if breaking the bones means there's no more meat left, or it's emblematic of the fact that there's no more meat left on the, on the bone. And so since there is no meat left on the bone, what else do you have left to eat? You suck out the marrow. But a person who is uh, well off, a person who is a prince, a person who is free, and uh, has the means to uh, purchase whatever food they'd like, uh, don't need to suck out the marrow of the bone. They want some more meat, they take another piece of chicken. Therefore, it's prohibited to, to break the bonds. The same thing also here, mm-hmm. that, 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 that there is a, a specialness, there's an Am Kodesh concept about the Jewish people, and that's not a discussion for us this evening, exactly what it is. We all know that we are the chosen people. Most of the world knows that we're the chosen people. And uh, what the nature of that is, is, is a separate discussion. It's very nicely enumerated by many, many commentaries, uh, specifically uh, Rav Hirsch, in his 18 letters, of why we're the chosen people, but that's not our discussion this evening. It's because we are the children, as we started, of Hashem, because we are the children of Hashem, therefore, therefore, we are, therefore, uh, certain behaviors are unbecoming of our stature, and one of those is the consumption of certain foods. Okay? That's That's the concept. And the, uh, the Chavetz Chaim wrote a book called the Nidche Yisrael. Nidche Yisrael is basically a collection of, of ethical, uh, moral inspirations and halacha and Jewish law for those people who are traveling on the road. It's to inspire people to keep Shabbos, to daven at the proper times, to eat kosher food, to uh, not be involved in uh, immoral relationships, illicit relationships. Because when one travels on the road, when one is uh, by themselves and nobody knows them, uh, people have, uh, the, the Yetzirah has a different avenue of, uh, of, 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 of attack than when a person is around in a sort of a safe net, so to speak, of, uh, of their family and their friends and, and, and uh, the community in which they're in. And so therefore the Chavetz Chaim felt it necessary because people were traveling to write a book to inspire and to educate these people in how to behave properly during their travels. So of course, 
in this book, he talks extensively about the ideas and the halachas of kosher, uh, of keeping kosher when one travels. And in chapter 9 of the book of Nidche Yisrael, uh, sorry, not chapter 9, chapter 29, is entitled, Bo Yivur Godel Haschar. In this chapter, we will explain the greatness of reward. Somebody who properly keeps themselves from eating um, from eating trafer food. And he opens, he, he opens up with um, the, the, the way that he starts is in the, in the same vein or in the same theme that, we've, uh, that we have mentioned until this point. Says the Chavetz Chaim, Gam Also, if a person is careful not to eat or it's a, not to eat tray for food. That person draws upon themselves kiddusha, holiness from above. Right? So we understand, as we know from many different um, semi or hidden Kabbalistic svarim, such as the Derach Hashem, the way of God, and that and and the the Nevshachayim, uh, the the the, the Derach Hashem written by Rav Moshe Chaim Lotzatel, and the Nevshachayim written by Rav Chaim Voloshin, and we know that there's a parallel spiritual universe from which emanates spirituality into the physical world, and a person who uh, stops themselves, hinders themselves from eating trefa food, automatically draws kedusha from these worlds draws holiness from these worlds onto themselves. Like it says in Vayikra chapter 20, verse number 24, Do not make your souls disgusting. You will be holy to me, because I am holy. And then he quotes the verse that we quoted in our Pasha. It also says in Pasha, You will be holy to me, because I am holy to Hashem. I'm sorry, that's not in Parshish Re'i. Do not eat any nevela. Hashem has chosen you. That's what he says. And then he quotes a Gemara in Yuma. And the Gemara in Yuma is found on page 39. The Gemara says like this. Very interesting. Uh, the Gemara says like this. We learned in a, in a um, it's 39a, at the end of the chapter. The rabbis have taught us. And you will sanctify yourselves and you will be holy. Says the Gemara. If a person sanctifies himself a little bit, they sanctify him a lot. Milmata, if he sanctifies himself here on the bottom, they sanctify him on the top. If a person sanctifies himself in this world, then they sanctify him in the world to come. So the Chavetz Chaim, the same idea is being expressed by this Gemara. That if, if we make an effort to sanctify ourselves, then God will give us help. God will sanctify us even more. It's like parents. We want our child to take the first step. Once the child takes the first step, we'll help them walk. Right? But we don't, we, don't want to help, we don't want to help them walk. We want them to do it themselves. Once they make the effort to do it themselves, we'll help them. So too, says the Chavetz Chaim, Hashem works the same way. He wants us to take a step. He wants us to uh, refrain 
from uh, from eating treasure food. We take the first step. Hashem will sanctify us. We will find ourselves in a completely different uh, place, in a completely different world than we expect it to be. And the, the Gemara expresses this in many places in Shas. One of the places in Shas is the Gemara in tract in, in Makos, page 10b. The Gemara in Makos um, states, uh, in the, in the way that a person wants to go, they lead him. The Gemara in Tract Chabas on page 104a, the Gemara says that the Bolatire Messiah, a person wants to sanctify themselves, a person wants to purify themselves, they help him. Right? That's what Chavetz Chaim talks about this vein. He says that a person, a person who, 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 uh, a person who makes an effort, he makes an effort. So for this he'll have kedusha. For this he'll have a holy. He'll have a, he'll have a. Um, he'll be in a much different uh, state, in a, in a completely different state of uh, of spirituality than they were before. And the Chavetz Chaim also points out it doesn't mean it, it. It even means that even if we, for example, have the opportunity to eat trade for food, and we don't eat it. That's considered it's a mitzvah too. For example, person goes, you know, you go shopping in the mall. You go shopping in the mall, and uh, you know, you buy the stuff. And then in every mall, there is a food court. In every mall is a food court. So you you walk into the food court because that's where they have all the bathrooms, they have all the everything, right? They have all the stuff there. And then the smells are wafting through the room. You got the smell of Chinese food and the smell of the of the of uh, what other food do we have there? Italian food and the Indian food and the pizza. You smell it all and all of a sudden you're hungry. Right? So, so, so the, 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 um, says the Chavetz Chaim that if a person says, I'm not going to eat that, I'm not going to eat that food. I'm not buying anything because it's not kosher. That's a mitzvah. Right? That is in itself is a mitzvah. If a person has the opportunity as, as, as Rashi says in Tractate Kiddushin, in the name of this Chazal, on page 39b, Rashi says, Ein mitzvah yisayra mizu. There's no bigger mitzvah than this. You know, a person has an opportunity to do an Avera, person has an opportunity to do an Avera, person has an opportunity to, to transgress, and they stop themselves from transgressing. Ein lecha mitzvah yisayra mizu. There's no mitzvah greater than this, says Rashi. That's what the Chavetz Chaim says. The Chavetz Chaim says that if a person has an opportunity to eat non-kosher food and they stop themselves, they don't eat it. There's no greater mitzvah than this. Because that's real, real tshuva when you get presented with the, the same thing that was the, the, you know, the challenge before and this time you can say no to it then you know you've really... Uh, yeah, that's part of tshuva as the Ramam describes in chapter 2 of the laws of tshuva, uh, of his laws of tshuva. That is part of tshuva. And so the, the, the Rambam discredited, yeah, as the Rambam says, that's part of tshuva. But, but, the, but the, the Chazal is saying, and Rashi is emphasizing, that this is also a mitzvah. I, I, have a, I can fulfill a negative commandment. What does a negative commandment say? negative commandment says, do not eat non-kosher food. Right? Do not eat non-kosher food. So how do I fulfill that? I'm just listening to it. I listen to it. Okay, I'm not eating non-kosher food. Okay, I only buy kosher food. But how do I fulfill the mitzvah? So the, the Rashi is saying, and the Chazal is saying, that if I, if I have the opportunity to do it, and I don't do it, I have fulfilled this mitzvah. It's almost as if I did something positive. It's akin to shaking a lulav. It's, a, it's, a, it's akin to, to putting on my tefillin. 
right? It's akin to uh, sanctifying the Shabbos and lighting candles, whatever, right? It's akin to making Kiddush. It, it's, it's like I did something positive even though I did nothing. I had the opportunity to do something negative and I didn't do it. That in itself is considered to be a positive. That's a mitzvah. Okay. So, so given all of this information, of course, Klai Yisrael, the Jewish people, are very, very sensitive when it comes to kosher food. That's why we're very sensitive to uh, kosher food. And perhaps maybe this is why this, if you uh, if you read up a little bit about it on the internet and the publications, you'll see that this particular issue has become a tremendous controversy. This particular issue, or whether there's an Asakis uh, worm uh, that has been found in a different kosher fish, whether the fish are now kosher or not kosher, has become a tremendous issue that people on all sides, so, there is... So the, yeah. the, the, the name that you used, Anasakis, that's the species of the worm? That's the species of the worm, yeah. That's the oh, part of the name of the, the species fish. of the worm. Okay. Yeah. That's the, the, that's the species of the worm that's found in the, in, 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 in the kosher and non-kosher fish. Is it it's a parasite. It's a parasite. It's a parasite. salmon? Uh, no, it's, it's found in all no, fish, not only fish. salmon. It's found in all fish, is not there, only salmon. Is there any so, great difference between the fish that are farmed and fish that are just wild? I thought we're going to, we're gonna, hopefully, if we have a chance, we're going to talk about this, right? Mm -hmm. so, so this has become a tremendous issue, and it's become a machloikis. There has even been, an, uh, apparently, there's been a, uh, a kol koire, a, uh, a, 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 public, a, a proclamation um, issued amongst uh, Gedoli Israel and specifically Eretz Israel post-Gim, that, uh, that fish are prohibited to eat unless one checks them for bugs, like one would check for, uh, for lettuce, specifically that are infested with these. Uh, and then there's claims made back and forth that, they, that these people who signed it never, never signed their name on this Kol Kore, uh, and, 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 uh, and that, that, that their signatures were, were forged on this proclamation. And there are some rabbis of, 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 of uh, the reputable reputation uh, and who are uh, responsible that have said that it's prohibited and some rabbis have uh, said that it's permissible and it's become an argument to the point where everybody's involved because of the state of the internet. The, 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 the OU has a podcast and, and, and Rabbi, um, Rabbi Belsky, who's the posik of the OU, wrote a, wrote a tshuva amongst other people who wrote tshuvas and there's an audio on the, on the CRC website about, about, uh, 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 about this controversy and also the Star K is involved and it's, it's a back and forth uh, discussion that seems to have no end. In, in the time of the Mora and before, the Rebam would make what was known as a Gezerah, right? But it was overwhelming agreement if a gazera was made, right? So, yeah. so this, what do you call this? Uh, this kore? Kol kore. This kol kore, though, doesn't have the weight of a gazera. Exactly. We, don't, we don't have a unified... No, it's just a, it's a proclamation with signatures of the fact that these fish are prohibited. So, what Can I want to do this evening... Can I ask a technical evening, question? Yeah. The parasite that you're referring to, does it limit itself to the digestive tract? Oh, so this, what I want to do this evening is, what I want to do this evening to address this issue is I want to just focus on, I want to focus on where the issue begins. Where the issue begins, and then perhaps maybe the wealth of material that uh, is available out there regarding this issue is, could be uh, better understood. If we, if we just sit and we learn and then after we begin with the issue, perhaps maybe we'll say some final conclusions. 
Uh, but beginning of the issue, hopefully, will will make us understand uh, um, what the discussion is about. The discussion begins and ends in Chulin 67b. The begin the discussion is in Chulin Samach Zayin base. The Gemara oh, says so as follows. We'll, we'll be there in a week or two. Right. The Dafyon will be there in a week or two. So the, the Gemara says like this. Dar, the Gemara on, on 67b. Darni the Bisra Asiri. The Kfiri Sharyan. Fish, I mean, I'm sorry, the worms, bugs, which are found in meat. Rashi explains in the flesh of the, of the meat of an animal are prohibited. If one shechts an animal and they find toloyim, they find bugs inside, those bugs are prohibited to eat. Says the Gemara, but bugs that are found in fish, bugs that are found in fish are permissible. The Kaviri Sharia, they are permissible. Amar law Ravina Li'ime. Ravina said to his mother, Mix up for me these worms from the fish and I will eat them. So Rashi explains, what does this mean? Rashi says, Make sure that they are mixed within the fish. The fish. Put them there so I don't see them and I'm not disgusted by them. Which seems to be that Ravina is saying that according to Rashi, that if I would be disgusted by these bugs, I wouldn't eat them. But if I don't see them, and they're in there, as the Gemara specifically says, I will, uh, if I don't see them, and I, I, I will eat them, I will consume these, these bugs. Um, is he, he's implying that his, his, his knowledge of whether they're there or not is only based on his vision. Uh, yeah. So, if, in other words, if he's told they're there, all bets are off, or if he's told they're there, it doesn't matter? If he sees them, he won't eat them. Okay. And he sounds, Rashi says that he'll be disgusted by them because it's prohibited to eat something which one is disgusted by. That's, uh, that's what it seems to be that Rashi is saying. But the Gemara clearly, unequivocally states that, um, the Gemara clearly, unequivocally states that bugs that are found inside fish are permissible to consume. That's what the Gemara really says. If you find it inside the meat of an animal, that's prohibited to consume. But if you find it inside the uh, uh, the, 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 the if you find it inside the fish, then it's permissible to consume. Okay, so here is Rabbi Yaakov Emden points out that Rashi means to say, "Nira the Lord it doesn't mean that you should take worms and put them in the fish. In other words, Ravina was saying she should leave them there and don't take them out. If you see that there are these worms are in the fish, says Rabbi Yaakov, and then Rashi means to say, leave them in there. I don't see them. I can consume them. The Gemara says it's permissible. But you shouldn't artificially introduce them. But you shouldn't artificially introduce them, right? So a little bit, uh, so that the Gemara wants to know What's the difference? Right, says the Gemara, Amalei Rav Mishashia, Bereid the Ravacha, the Ravina, Rav Mishashia, the son of Ravacha, said to Ravina, Maishno, Mehadetanya. What's the difference? Okay, this is what we said, but what's the difference between that which we learned, 
Right? That person should not eat something which is disgusting, and that comes to include bugs which aren't an animal. So, so he wants to know why is it that the bugs in the fish are permissible? That's the Gemara's question. So the Gemara says, Amalei, Hachi Hashta. An animal becomes permissible when shechita is performed, when slaughter is performed. That's when an animal becomes permissible. These bugs which are found inside the animals, shechita does not help them. They're prohibited. Nothing made them mutter. The animal was prohibited to consume before it was shechted. Not that it was shechted, it was permissible to consume. But the bugs were prohibited to consume, and they're still prohibited to consume. There was nothing that made them muta, nothing that made them permissible. Avol says the Gemara dug him. What do you do with the fish? When you gather it together, it becomes permissible to consume. You take it. You cut it open, you eat it. It doesn't require shechita. Right? These animals... When they form, they form in a permissible, I'm sorry, these bugs, which are found in the fish, when they form, they form in a permissible manner. That's the difference. Says Rashi, what does that mean they form in a permissible manner? Right? So, um, Rashi says, like this, the animals, Bishchita Mishtaryo, Animals become permissible with shechita, with slaughter. These animals that grew up or that, that formed in the animal before, before it was shechted, they come from a prohibition of a live animal, meaning that they were parasitic, they were parasites in the live animal itself. When you shech the animal, doesn't help the bugs. Because they are now the bugs are alive by themselves. Right, that's why, that's why they they are they are prohibited. However, the bugs that grew up in the fish, so they were. As the Gemara says, Kikar Gavlin Gavlin. When they formed, they formed in a permissible manner. And that's why the bugs and the fish are permitted. Right? So Tosos here says, in the name of Rabbeinu Tam, that there is a difference between bugs that form, that, that enter into the digestive tract, or they enter into the stomach, and bugs that were formed, so to speak, in the fish itself. The bugs that entered into the fish through the digestive tract, or are in the stomach, are, 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 those are prohibited, says, says the, says the Rabbeinu Tam. But the ones that were formed there, those are not prohibited. What's the reason for this? 
So Rashi before seems to say the following idea. Rashi Minogavli says, Loshin Gadli It means that they, so to speak, grew up in the animal Atma, Heim Gidelim. Vilav And it is not an animal which crawls on the ground. So it almost sounds like for some reason these uh, um, bugs or the, these uh, parasites, these uh, bugs spontaneously uh, germinate inside the fish. If they come in from the outside, according to Rabbeinu Tam, they are prohibited, of course, because they're swarming in the ocean. And we know that something which swarms in the ocean uh, is already prohibited to eat. But if they grew up, so to speak, according to Rashi's position, if they grew up inside the fish, then they are permissible. And that is the way that it's quoted in Halacha. In the Halacha, in Yorodea, in number, in Simon 84, number 16, the Halacha simply states, the Shulchan Aruch simply states, that, uh, like this, any worms which are found in the animal, whether they are in between the skin and the flesh of the animal, whether they are in the stomach of the animal, they are prohibited. Those worms which are found in fish, if they're in the stomach, then they are prohibited. But, if they are in the stomach, they are prohibited. Bain or lebosser, but if they are in between the flesh and, and the skin, or betocha or they're inside the flesh, mutarin, in that case, these are, are permissible. It's just the opposite of what I thought it would be. The says there are more here in the name of the even if they move within the flesh, even if the worms move within the flesh a little bit, they are still permissible. Why? Because that's the way they form. That's the way the, they, they, they grow inside the flesh. Is that they move a little bit from here to there, from here to there. And both the commentators, the Taz and the Shach, the Taz in 21a, uh, in, in, in number 21, and the Shach in number uh, 43, and other commentaries state, that if they germinate, if they grow inside the flesh of the fish, that's why they're permissible. But those that come in into the fish through other channels, such as its nose, uh, when it's moving, or any other place that's open in the fish, those are the ones that are prohibited. Okay? So this is an open um, halacha in the, shul, in, in, in the, shul, in the Shulchan Arach. The open halacha in the Shulchan Aruch with that qualification states that um, the halacha states that if you find worms that are in the fish and they are in between the skin and the flesh or in the flesh itself, the halacha does not say of how we should look at them, where they came from, how they came about. The fish and the worms are permissible to consume even if, according to the Ramah, you see that they moved within the fish a little bit. And this is in, in, in Uridea? Number 84, number 16. Wow. That's pretty clear. The, they're pretty clear. So according to 
according to the Shas, according to the Gemara, and according to the Rishonim, uh, the Beis Yosef in the same simon quotes other Rishonim that agree with Tosfos, and according to the Shulchan Aruch, these uh, worms, right, which are found in, in the flesh of the fish, are permissible. The worms are not stated by name, although the Gemara does mention uh, names before, the words are not stated by name. The fish and the worms are permissible to consume. That's what the, that's what it says in the in, in, in the uh, in, in the Gemara. So so recently there have been some people who have noticed or claimed to have noticed um, and produced perhaps evidence that they have noticed uh, that uh, a bug or a worm or a parasite called the Anasakis parasite has migrated from the digestive tract, or from the stomach of, the fi- of, of certain fish that they observed, into the flesh of the fish. And they claimed that for now, if you find a worm inside the flesh of the fish, you don't know whether it, quote-unquote, spontaneously generated in the flesh of this fish, or it migrated from some other place. In which case, as we've seen, all of the Rishonim and the Gemara would agree that, that those bugs would be prohibited. That's where the controversy starts. Okay? That is the issue. The question itself is not a new question. This question has been brought in front of Rav Moshe Feinstein. And Rav Moshe Feinstein, interestingly enough, refused to write a tshuva. He refused to write a responsa. Even though Rav Moshe Feinstein is the author of many responses on many different controversial issues. On this specific issue, Ramesha Feinstein decided <laughs> he refused to write a tshuva. It's like the Supreme Court saying that they're not going to consider the, uh, the debate. The, uh, and, they, and they send it back to the Superior Court. Right. So, for example, Ramesha, in many other places, is quoted by the responses that is written by one of the poskim, one of the rabbis which are, who are behind the OU. Um, Rabbi Belsky, and at the beginning of the tshuva, he says the following thing: It is already clear the uh, lifting of our of our of our teacher, Rav Shel Kobne Agola, the 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 rabbi of the entire diaspora, Hagoin Haadir, the amazing genius Rav Moshe Feinstein's of Chayin Tzadik, Kodesh Levracha LaOlam Haba. The, the, uh, his memory should be remembered, uh, his holy memory should be remembered for the world to come. At the moment when they brought him this issue, this question, that perhaps maybe prohibits all fish, on this I shall not answer in writing. Why? Because this matter is simply permissible by the words of the rabbis and the halachic decisors. And there's nothing to add to it. Says Rabbi the Rabbi Moshe Feinstein has taught us with this. A clear psaq, a clear decision. Shikan Taiva Hashtika. Here it's better to be quiet. 
the covet alokim hester dover, and that the honor of God is to hide the matter. However, continues Rabbi and he says, Now that this matter has been pushed into the eyes of the congregation, I feel responsible that I have to respond to this issue. And he writes a whole lengthy tshuva about the matter. But simply put, according to Ramosha Feinstein, did not want to, apparently, according to this testimony and from others, Ramosha Feinstein did not want to involve himself into the discussion because he felt that the discussion was not worthy, and that it simply, it simply is, um, it simply is a matter that's not, that doesn't need to be discussed. In other words, pshita. Right. Now, now the question is, now the question is, is that everybody who says that uh, this fish should be prohibited have to answer what are they going to do with the fact that the Gemara and the Shulchan Aruch, the Gemara and the Code of Law, simply state that uh, it is permissible. That's what they have to answer. So there are many different claims that they make. Some the of the claims... What? Not to mention the Torah permits it. Well, right. Well, yes, the Torah permits it because the Torah says that it has to be something that swarms in the ocean and it doesn't swarm in the ocean and it, it never swarms in the ocean. It would be interesting to look at the discussion via age because the rabbis that I've heard chat about this discussion that are in their 60s, 70s, 80s all say, what issue? Okay, well, let's 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 put the. I'm just I'm serious. So I, I like think that it I think that it's important to, I think that it's important at this at this point to make the following point, and that is the following point needs to be made, and that is, is that. This matter is decided by Tamiri Chacham. This matter is decided by people who are familiar with Jewish law, how it works, and how things should be looked at. And, and the discussion in the way that it should continue and what should be discarded and what, what's considered to be important. Somebody who's well-versed and educated in, in, in Psaq and in Halacha. And so therefore, if there are people that are on both sides, it's important to afford them the respect of their opinion until we are uh, educated otherwise. So, so Feinstein, we could safely say that Rabbi Moshe Feinstein dismissed the matter. So those people who 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 uh, say that they're not going to dismiss the matter have to exp- have to first of all argue with Ramosha Feinstein, and second of all they have to um, they have to explain how they're going to contradict the fact that it's the that the Shulchan Aruch uh, says otherwise. So there are claims that they make. Claim some of the claims are as follows. The Talmud and the Shulchan Aruch are not talking about the Anasakis worm. It is talking about something else. This worm, they're not talking about. Right? And so therefore, the worms that are permissible, the worms that are permissible, are permissible. But the Anasakis worm, since it migrates from the digestive tract to the other, to the, to the flesh, that for sure the Shulchan Aruch would also prohibit if you find it. Wait, say that again? If it migrates from the stomach or anywhere else the into the, the parasite, into the flesh, 
then for sure the Shulchan Aruch and the, the Shas would also agree that it's prohibited. And since we have discovered that there are such bugs, there are such worms, then when we find them, they would be prohibited. The cl- one of the claims on the other side of that would be is that, uh, well, since the Shulchan Aruch does not make a distinction between which worm is permissible and which worm is prohibited, how do you know which ones migrate and which ones don't migrate? The discussion also then focuses on, do we take seriously the fact that the Gemara says that there's spontaneous generation? So there are some want to apologize and want to say that the Gemara is wrong. Of course, science says there is no such thing as spontaneous generation. On the other side, some want to say that um, we don't know what there is. We only know what the rabbi said, and that the science evidence is not conclusive to what happens. Um, some want to make the following claim. They want to say that uh, the life cycle of the of this Anasakis worm is such that it is microscopic. The larvae of the of the Anasakis, this parasite, is microscopic, and sure, certainly it doesn't spontaneously generate out of the flesh of the fish. But somehow it winds up in the flesh of the fish when it's not seen to the naked eye. It can only be detected by the microscope, and then it grows parasitically by uh, taking in the nutrients or whatever, the, whatever is there inside the fish, and it looks as, as if it spontaneously generates, but it doesn't really. And so therefore, the Chazal is saying that unless you see them move, then you don't. So fine. So then the others say, what about the ones that you see move? So some answer, okay, once in a while you see some move, but in the majority, they don't really move. Instead, they spontaneously generate, and we're not going to say that all fish are prohibited just because... Just because we found one aberration or one case of where there are where there are worms that spontaneously that that, that have moved from the digestive tract into the into the uh, this is some of the discussion that uh, that goes on. Uh, of course, the Hasidic boys can take the position of the rabbis say that the worms grow in the fish, and if science says otherwise, then science is wrong. And uh, we will discover in the future of how uh, the reality actually is. And since the proof is not conclusive from a scientific perspective, if we were able to uh, analyze the research, um, they have the right to say that because we actually don't know how these parasites uh, uh, penetrate the digestive tract into the flesh of the uh, of the fish. Well, we, we also know that the, <coughs> the uh, lots of Tanaim and Amoraim ate fish. What? Yes, they ate the fish. <laughs> yeah, they probably so they, they ate the I fish mean, that was permissible. I mean, so you can also just say uh, make a diuk saying, well, okay, if you're trying okay, to so argue the, that this isn't everything, you can't eat any fish. So the ones that say that it's prohibited have sources. The ones that say that it's prohibited have sources and say that some nature changes. We find that nature changes with certain things uh, which the rabbis discuss, such as the size of eggs, discussion of the Noida Behuda, uh, regarding the size of, uh, of, 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 uh, of uh, what we should eat on Pesach. We have uh, other discussions in the, in the, in the Morgan Avram, Tosas and Mohokotan, that uh, certain things in nature have changed. 
and therefore the rules that the rabbis have set have, uh, don't apply. They only apply for the way that nature was, and perhaps maybe nature changed in this situation too. Um, perhaps maybe the population of the Anasakis has increased due to environmental conditions or due to conditions of the way that the fishermen fish. We don't know exactly. That's what they say. And therefore, if we actually observe it, migrate, and then, of course, the Shulchan Aruch is not going to, the Code of Law is not going to say that it's permissible. Okay. We're, we're really out of time, and we haven't really even uh, scratched the surface of, uh, of, um, of the entire discussion, but we have the basis of the discussion. The basis, the main point, the whole basis of this discussion is, the whole point of this discussion is, is that if the worms migrate from a different area than the flesh of the fish, and you can observe them migrate, does that prohibit the fish or not? That's the issue. Okay? That is basically the issue. If they don't migrate, wind up somehow there, whatever that is, we don't observe them migrate, then they are permissible. Okay? Now, uh, uh, Rabbi uh, Belsky, who is the postdoc of the OU, is very strong about this. He says that it's unfair to the entire tzibor who are very, to the entire congregation who are very conscientious and want to keep the mitzvahs and want to keep kosher to bring up the issue altogether. And he very strongly feels that it's not even necessary to talk about an issue which is 35 years old and we've been known about the Anasakis, uh, Anasakis worm for, for the past 700 years. He uh, even attaches to his, uh, uh, to his responsa the transactions of the American Microscopic Society in April 1976, volume number five, number two, which discussed the, the, the discovery of the Anasakis worm in the 1700s, etc., and therefore he says it's permissible, and therefore it's the official position of the OU that all fish that are kosher are permissible to consume without having to check for the for the uh, for the for the for, for for these worms. The position of the CRC, the Chicago Rabbinical Council, um, uh, whose postic is Rabbi Schwartz, is uh, seems to be, from what I listened to the audio that they have on their website, is also in line with the OU. They completely, 100% agree that until there is conclusive proof that, uh, that the Anasakis uh, worm uh, migrates from uh, one area of the fish to the other area of the fish on, an, on a regular basis, basis, scientific proof, they're going to stick what it says in the, in the Gemara and what it says in the, uh, in the, in, in the Shulchan Aruch, and therefore by them also all fish are permissible. However, the Star K, according to their website, uh, make uh, Apshara. They, and with this we conclude, they make Apshara, which is that they are straddling the fence, so to speak. The Starkey uh, makes an interesting statement. They want to say that because the Starkey is interested that their products that they certify is consumed by all Jews, quote, since we at the Starkey strive to have our kosher certified products accepted by all kosher consumers, Rabbi Moshe Heinemann has instructed Starkey establishments and Mashgichim that only the non-problematic fish be used. Meaning that Rabbi Heinemann of the Starkey is not willing to say that fish which are according to the opinions of the halachic authorities that say that are prohibited to eat uh, will be certified by the Starkey because they don't, he doesn't want to get involved with the fact that there are some rabbis that are going to say 
that the star case says that these fish are, prohib- are permissible to use and we say that they are prohibited. Therefore, the star case position is to check those fish which are in question uh, that have these worms in the fish and they actually give a list uh, based upon the research of Rabbi Geshem Bess in Los Angeles of which fish are problematic. And uh, one can look up that, uh, that list and uh, some of the fish that are found on the list are as follows. Until further notice, they, they say this, until we issue policies and procedures for inspections, um, as we have for vegetables and fruit, the following species of fresh, frozen, or canned should not be used even with kosher certification. And this what? is the list. Say that uh, again? These fish, the following fish should not be used. Even if, they're even if they have kosher certification, obviously not from the stockade. Oh, right? Okay. Uh, if they're fresh, you can check them out. Well, that's a whole argument. I, our hexer's good. Their hexer's no good. No, they, no, they're they're saying they're that's saying what you're saying. They're saying they don't want to get involved with those that say they are prohibited. And this is the what they say on the list. The list is butterfish, cod, flounder, halibut, pollock, red perch, red snapper, sable, or which is another word known as black cod, wild salmon. Not uh, the other salmon, farmed salmon, uh, sardines that are Norway, Scotland, Portugal, and Poland, sole, yellowfin sole. All of those products which are produced, they want to say should not, they don't recommend because of the issue that we mentioned. And the other types of fish are okay. If you want to look at further or, or uh, at your own convenience, you could take a look at the uh, Starcave website and just uh, in the search engine, um, this, this, uh, this will come up exactly of what the list is. So it seems to be, from my perspective, and I, even though I work for the Starcave, I'm not speaking on their behalf, but from my perspective, it seems to be that, um, that this issue is, is still open and uh, the decision should be made, but indications seem to indicate to me that, that uh, it, the fish is permissible to consume, except out of respect for those uh, pre- preeminent postkim that say that there's an issue, one uh, should be, according to the Starkey's position, should be stringent with specific type of fish to at least check them before consumption to make sure that these Anasakis worms are not found inside them. So, wait, so did the, the Starkey will not certify those species of fish that you identified? Uh, yes. They will not, they will not uh, certify them, not because they're not kosher, but because they might be infested yes. with, uh, with these, what they call, worms. Mm-hmm. Certainly, if one uh, relies on the OU and the CRC, this is not even a discussion. Mm-hmm. But the official position of the STAR-K, because they want to make sure that they, at least at the moment... Uh, it seems to me as that they would say in the media world that this is a developing issue. It's a, uh, a breaking story. Um, at the moment, they recommend that these fish be checked and for sure if they're canned, uh, should not be uh, consumed, even if they have a, a proper action. And are, are the, the supervisors trained to inspect these fish uh, now this I don't know. This is a whole different discussion. If you if you get in order to find in order to find this bug, 
I mean, it's it's microscopic. It's a according to uh, according to the C- uh, CRC's uh, audio there, it is uh, one seventh. It, the size of it is one seventh of a, of a human hair. It's one seventh of a human hair. It, the, the microscopic, it's it's hard to see them. If you have to go search through the fish in order to find them, I mean, in the salmon they said you have to use a blue light, and uh, you have to use a blue light in the dark. If you have to search and find them, you'll, you'll, it's, it's not worth it to consume the fish altogether. So, so basically, basically, it's either one consumes this fish or one does not consume this fish. Either one relies on the OU or the CRC or the Star K, um, whichever they uh, incline to choose for their own personal for their own personal thing. But unless one is familiar, my, our, our point this evening is basically our point this evening is besides the point. That uh, that this is an issue. Our point this evening is is that we are we are we, we try to keep kosher to our best of, best of our ability. And if we are not really intimately familiar with the issues, we have to uh, strive to afford respect to uh, pre- preeminent rabbis, as long as they espouse that specific opinion. Um, who we might not see their point, but because of their stature and because of their uh, ability to decide halacha and try to be stringent in these areas. So when you're referring to these preeminent rabbis, are you referring to the preeminent rabbis who head up uh, the Star K? Well, it's not, no, it's not clear. Who, like Rabbi Bess, for example. Rabbi Geshem Bess, is, uh, he, he, uh, he, uh, he's not part of the Star K, but he works with the Star K closely. Uh-huh. And uh, he's of the opinion that uh, some fish cannot be consumed. Yeah. I think if they look closely, they'll find virtually every fish has parasites, and we can't really see most of them. That's the claim on the other side. They're saying they're parasites, you can't see them. Fish that have scales and fins, so you basically be outlawing. Right, and so that's the, the that that's the claim on the other side. They're saying they're parasites and microbial. There are microbial as as we speak. We swallow, uh, we swallow bugs. So at which point are they are they? Uh, are they prohibited? But the the other side claims that they actually saw them. They saw the bugs migrating from one place to the other. And the reason that they distinguish between, for example, wild salmon and farmed salmon is because they don't because they found the parasites in the wild salmon, but they didn't find it in the uh, in the farm salmon. Okay. Which is also not conclusive evidence because the question is of whether or not a rigorous scientific study was done that meets the criteria of a scientific study in which you can actually extrapolate a fact mm-hmm. that can be relied upon and that will not be changed yeah. within the next week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thank you and uh, have a good Shabbos, everyone.